0: Somebody gave me a pamphlet, probably a year ago, maybe somebody that's here, I don't remember who it was, but it was a radio message on the mystery of God's will. And if you're here, I want you to know I had it, I didn't throw it away, I kept it. I put it on my uh, on my shelf. It was a radio message preached back in the 60s, but it's been it's been sitting on that shelf for about a year. Well, this week I got it out, and uh, I read it, and I just it started stirring up in me. You know, you read things and it stirs up in you, and so all these scriptures started coming to me about the mystery of God's will and how we're going to need to not only know His will. But we're going to be, it's going to be required that we be doers of His will. We don't want to be just hearers only. And then walking out and say, well, that was a good message. No, we want to hear and we want to do, right? Especially in regard to the will of God. And so I just started thinking about these things and I want to share them with you. Is that okay? So go with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. And uh, I found in just a beginning part of Ephesians, that the will of God is mentioned three times. I'm going to mention these and go back and then look at a few others. But first of all, in Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse 7 through 9, it says, "...in Him we have redemption. We've been bought back." How many of you are glad you've been bought out of sin? He paid the ultimate price. "...we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." You may not have much in your bank account. And if only a little bit is true of what they tell us is coming, most of us won't have that much in our bank account. But if you have the riches of His grace, you're going to have something of which the world didn't give you and the world can't take away. You're going to be far better off to have a great down payment of the riches of the grace of God than the riches of this world that are passing away, right? Does that make sense? Okay, the riches of His grace, according which He said, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. So the first thing that I want to mention is the mystery of His will. It's one of the great mysteries of life, isn't it? When I was a young man, I wanted to know, okay, God, what is your will for my life? Am I the only one? Did you guys also ask those questions? God, what is your will? What am I here for? Why was I born? What am I going to do in life? And I always felt like I had something special to accomplish. Did anybody else feel that way? How many of you? Raise your hand. I felt like I had something special in life. You do if you know him. You have something automatically. And, uh, you know, as a young man, I um, I wanted to know what it meant to do His will, and I started feeling the call of God to preach. And uh, really, there's a certain time when it happened, I made a commitment, but I really look back when I was just a little boy, probably about six years old, and I would crawl under. We had a house in Louisiana, had a crawl space. I crawled through places. I'm not going to tell you where I crawled in those days. And six, 10-year-old kid, if my mom knew I went into some of those places I went into, she would have killed me. So I'm glad she didn't find out. But under the house, it wasn't that dangerous. So I would crawl under our house. And one day, I remember bringing my puppy. And I was preaching to my little puppy. It's just a little boy. And I'd preach, puppy, repent. I can't remember his name. Spot. I think his name was Spot, actually. He was really unique. We had a unique name for our good dog. We called him Spot. So I say, Spot, repent. And one day I'll find out if he repented, but, you know, that's where it started. But then later on, you know, things through high school. I'll never forget the day my best friend, Greg, we would go to lunch together, and uh, one day he looked at me, and he was a real strong believer. He said, David, one day you're going to preach the gospel. And um, and I knew there's something about that. And then when I was 19 years old, I've shared with you the story how I was at Rich Crest, and it's not very far from here, and there was a big youth and young adult gathering, and, and um, I was being stirred up you know, to preach, and right after, I went to the back. I don't know if I told you this, but I wanted to speak to the guy that was preaching, and I wanted to tell him that I felt like God was calling me to preach, and so somehow I found him, and I told him, and I said, you know, I came, and I just feel like God's calling me to preach. He said, well, you need to go tonight somewhere by yourself and and deal with God. Just get along with God, and so I did that. And I share with you how I took my Bible, and I had a little uh, candle. I know how I got the candle. And I went out into a hillside, and, you know, I stuck the candle. Now, this was in January. I think back, God, how in the world did I, how did it stay lit? You know, it was cold. And anyway, I opened my Bible. I knelt down, and nobody knew I was there. And, and I, I said, Oh, God, I'll preach the gospel. And I remember... Reading the scriptures and anyway, that's, that's how it all began. And then the counselor, the guys that, um, that we went with and they took us, they said, now when you go home, you got to make it public. You got to walk the aisle. In those days, we used to walk the aisle. How many of you ever did, you did that? And you made it, you made it public. Cause I believe what, uh, someone that always, I, highly respected if you deny him before men guess what he's going to deny you before the father in heaven so anyway it was Sunday morning I was getting ready to make it public and you I know you know what I felt like I was scared to death I heard something knocking it wasn't the door it was my knees and I remember I was grabbing hold of the pew you know in those days you had pews you know and and uh, where did we get the name pew that's you know, I'm glad we have chairs, but anyway, I was grabbed hold of the pew. Anyway, I'm glad we did away with that. And I'm grabbing hold, I'm scared. And it may be the first time I ever heard the Lord. Because I heard, and I was an audible voice, but I heard in my heart, until you take the first step, you will never know the thousands that will follow. Well, I'm taking it. So I took the first step by the grace of God. And I walked down and surrendered, and and then the, you know the rest is history. But you got to take the first step. And I want to tell you, you've got to walk through the door. Now there's a mystery. A mystery is a is something that's hidden until it's revealed. Well, how is it going to be revealed? How is God's will going to be revealed in your life? You got to walk through the doors. You got to Remember that. I've used it many times, but the Scripture that says many are the called, but what? Few are the chosen. You know you know the difference between the called and the chosen? How many of you know? Okay, it's like this. It's like a revolving door. Before you walk through the door, you'll see the words written outside, called. If you walk through that door, you turn around, you're going to see the word chosen. The chosen are the ones that respond to the call. The mystery of God's will. It's not supposed to remain a mystery. God wants to reveal it to you. How many of you are there right now? You want to know there's something that you're wondering about God's will about. Well, if there's a door before you, I just say walk through it. Just walk. He's the door. He's the way. And then the second thing is over in Ephesians chapter 1. Look in verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. How many of you are glad for that? Every spiritual blessing in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and without blame. Verse 5, Having predestined, say predestined, Amen. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus To himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And the second thing is the good pleasure. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you're going to find the pleasure of the will of God, you're going to have to surrender your own pleasures. It's not about our pleasure. It's not about what makes us happy. Now, I know we get happy in this life. But some of those guys took it too far. It's not about my happiness. It's about my pleasing Him. And when you please Him, you'll be overflowing with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, not your own joy. It's bringing Him, His joy. Now, since we're talking about my journey this morning, this was in my 20s. I'll never forget, I was in Louisiana, and I wasn't doing much in those days. And and I heard the Lord speak to me. And he said, go west, young man, go west. Strange thing. Well, Jill, you heard him wherever you are, Jill. Jill, you, you, how many of you hear the Lord say strange things? What do you mean, go west, young man, go west? And he meant go west. And so anyway, I had an opportunity to go west from where I lived. I moved to Waco and uh, was involved with a spirit-filled Baptist church, Highland Baptist church at that time. And uh, because, you know, raising your hands was weird to me. I mean, I was brought up in a tradition. You just sat there in church. I mean, a few guys would say "Amen," but um, but that's about it. You know, you didn't you didn't get that excited about Jesus. And if anybody got excited, you know, they wondered if maybe something had happened to you. Now, there were a lot of people that went to sleep in church. I remember that. I remember as a boy looking up in the choir and there was a roll of old men. And every Sunday they would go, they would bow their heads. And I thought, you know, what if the preacher said, you're all going to hell? Well, those guys would be in agreement. They'd just be, you know, but anyway, you know, so anyway, I had to be in a church where they raised their hands. Those were the days where worship was incredible. I would cry the whole service, you know. And uh, I was at Wheaton College at a... um, Anyway, come some kind of minister's thing. And uh, it was the first time. And they were worshiping. And I wanted to raise my hand, and I was afraid. I was afraid. Now, that's ridiculous. Why would I be afraid? And I opened my eye, and a Presbyterian guy raised his hand. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Okay, so if you don't want me, I'm going to get on him. I'm going to let him... Enjoy my presence. And that seemed to break it off of me. And I started raising my hand. I went back to Waco. Anyway, there was a, um, a time when I was going to Dallas. Something was happening. I wanted to go be a part of that. And there was a chapel on the side of the road. What is that? I-35. Is that from Waco to Dallas? And those were the days that churches, they didn't always lock their doors and it wasn't that long ago, guys. I'm not that old. But anyway, then they didn't lock it. So anyway, I pulled off, and there was a chapel, and I walked in the chapel. And it, the Lord met me in that chapel. And he said, okay, you can have a choice. On the left, you could be a great evangelist, have a real pretty wife, make a lot of money, be famous, popular, they'll know your name. But you would not be in my perfect will. So, okay, what's on the right? So, on the right, or, I'll send you to a little bitty place in the middle of nowhere. You won't make any money. You'll be all by yourself. But you'll be in my perfect will. Now choose. Anybody else ever been there? So, anyway, you know, God, what kind of choice is that? I I didn't, it didn't take but once I said, Lord, I don't want any of that stuff on the left. I'm going right. So right after that, he opens a door, and I go to West Virginia to a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere. Nobody, hardly anybody even went to that church. I made $125 a week. That's why about, what was it, four years later when Shirley showed up, three years, two years, five years, two years, okay, only two years. Anyway, that was a long two years. Anyway, that's why when she showed up, I, I, made a, I made it to the back door to meet her and to get her phone number. And I'd have got her email address, but we didn't even have email addresses and, and any of that stuff. But anyway, I think you guys know what I'm trying to say. It's not about pleasing ourselves. Remember, Jesus said... I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the Father's. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be what? Be done. Now, in these days, there's going to be great conflict between those who are lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure versus the lovers of God. But just expect the conflict and just go on bringing pleasure to Him. If you bring pleasure to Him, you're going to be filled with more joy than you'll know what to do with. And then Ephesians chapter 10, that verse, uh, or chapter 1, not chapter 10. If you find that, tell me. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Then in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according To the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So number one, there's the mystery of His will. Number two, the good pleasure of His will. And number three, the counsel of His will. Now the word predestined, it means to be designed. It means well thought out, planned out beforehand. Remember Ephesians chapter, was it 2 verse 8? For by grace you've been saved through faith. But then verse 10 says you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God planned beforehand that you should walk in them. And uh I've heard it said that if you plan to fail, fail to plan. Right? No. Yeah, if you plan if you fail to plan, plan to fail. Did I think I said that right? But I don't know if that's always true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Yeah, thank you for bailing me out. Shirley's bailed me out so many times. But anyway, I know that there's truth in that. But I also know the Scripture says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. So you need the counsel of His will. But your plans may fail, but I know someone whose plans will never fail. And that which He's written about you will not fail. And God will keep his part. Now, the word counsel means purpose. It means design, determination, decree. It means the secret thoughts of the mind of God. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you know that scripture? A bunch of you do. I know the, the plans I have for you. Plans of what? Of good and not evil to do what? To give you a future and a hope. Now, some translations say, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts that are good, not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. In other words, God has many thoughts. He has many plans of which if we just would learn to get out of the way and let him have his way, he'll have his way in and through us. Another thing I remember along this journey, somebody said, David, God does a great job of being God. Why don't you let him do it? And anyway, I've learned that lesson and I'm learning it every day. And here's some other things. Go to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse, uh, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the, in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more and know how to walk and please God. Look down in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your what? Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles, those who do not know God. Verse 7, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Most of you know the Scripture. It says, For our bodies are not our own. They're His. We're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body... And in your spirit, which are God's. I remember this was probably before we were married. How many years were we married? Don't tell me. I think it's 35, right? 30. Are you kidding? 35. And so this had to have been 38, 39, I don't know, many years ago. And this was that long ago. I was asked, I was living in Louisiana, and they asked me to come preach at a big church in Statesville, North Carolina. And I'm preaching. It was a youth meeting. And I was bold enough, I made a statement. I said, sexual immorality, having sex before marriage, is sin. And I felt heat rising in the room. I felt great resistance. I felt like, man, you just said something they didn't like. You ever been there before? I thought, well, that's common knowledge, it's in the Word. I grew up thinking that kind of... I'm not saying I was perfect and all that, but I'm learning that stuff. You know what I mean? And anyway, after the youth pastor came to me and he said, Did you feel any resistance when you made that statement? I said, Yeah, I felt, I felt like they were about to throw something at me. He said, That's because they never they don't cover that from this pulpit. We're not taught that. And I thought, Well, you need to teach that. I told him, We need to raise the standard. It's up to us. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? When the enemy comes in flood, God's going to raise a standard. What he's looking for are those who will arise and let him arise, raise that standard through you. The other day at the, the workout, I'm working out and I'm watching, you know, there are all these screens, televisions, and, uh, you know, ESPN, that makes sense. I can tell what's happening, but there are a lot of them I don't want to watch. When CNN is right there, I'm trying my best not to watch it. I really am. I'm trying my best. I don't even watch, I don't want to watch anything they say. And sometimes, mostly Fox now. I don't even want to hear that. And so there's one channel right in front of me. It's, I don't know what it is, but it's a sex scene. Right in the middle of the workout. And I just, I was offended. And uh, the Spirit of God in me. And I went to the manager. I didn't know it was a manager. I just told the lady at the desk, look, I'm not being, I don't want to be rude. I'm not being, you know, whatever. I'm just telling you, I was offended at that sex scene because there are a lot of kids that come into this joint. And they're going to watch it, and they're going to think it's normal. And I'm telling you, it's not normal. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And she thanked me for that. She said, I'm the manager. I wouldn't. I didn't know. And she said, I thank you that you came with such love to me. And I'll do what I can to get that channel taken off. And so we got to stand up over those things. But we got to raise the standard. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, was judged because of the sexual immorality in all the cities. Some of you know there were cities around Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's going to be. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God is going to judge. And uh, that's just, that was 35 years ago. And, of course, we know that things have gotten. But anyway, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is just your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then look over in Second Peter chapter 3. These are a few things that speak of the will of God. You guys all still with me? Second Peter chapter 3. And uh, now this is a word for our generation. Here's something else, that it's the will of God. And that's what I believe why God is doing what He's doing in my own life. But in chapter 3, in our lives, Shirley and I, 2 Peter chapter 3, I, I write to you this epistle, you know, to stir up your minds. You know, be reminded. And he's talking about the scoffers in these days. I'm just going to look, skip through that. But they're going to scoff and mock. They're going to say, where's the promise of his coming? I've been hearing the church say he's coming for all these years. Well, where is he? Everything is being turned upside down. Well, that's just paving the way for his coming. They don't know that. But anyway, verse 5, for this they willfully forget. And by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And then he gives example that really speaks of the days of Noah, how the earth was destroyed because of a great flood. And then verse 8, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as of a thousand years. And a thousand years is of a day. But here's the key, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some of you count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing, say not willing. That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, so it 's the will of God that none should perish that 's god 's will. Why is God? Have you ever thought about this? I look at the things happening today, even this week. have you noticed how corrupt things are? The people that you thought were corrupt they're the very corrupt and and some of those you thought maybe we're not as corrupt, they're corrupt, and corruption is almost widespread. It's almost like Jeremiah. He said, the, the heart of man is deceitful and wicked, and who can know it? And you don't have to look very far to find where the heart is deceitful. But there are two reasons why God hadn't already done away with this thing. Because I asked him this week, I said, Lord, if I was you, I told Shirley, remember that? If I was the Lord, I'd just take care of this stuff right now i just come and flatten them out. But I'm not God. You know, he's got a greater plan. So there are two reasons. Number one, he wants his bride ready. He's coming for a bride that's without spot and blemish. A bride that's not in bed with the world, but is living opposite of the world so as to bring conviction to the world. Right? And then the second thing, it's his will that none should perish. And I believe that's what God is getting me ready for. He's getting us ready for. This is the day of the harvest. And it's God's will that none should perish but that the gospel be preached and all the world is a witness and then the end will come. Now, a couple more things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We already read the first few verses. Do not be conformed or the first part of that. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Either you're going to be conformed to the world in this hour, or you're going to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. One or the other. The only way to become conformed to him is to have a transformed mind. Be transfigured is what that word really means. Transfigured where you become more like him than you are yourself. Now this was neat this week. You know, one of my sons, I've got a lot of sons. He's my real son, my real daughter, but I have sons. I pray for them. Every day as I pray through these apostolic prayers, one of them that lives in Greensboro called me up, said, Papa David, you know, said, that's pretty cool when they call you stuff like that. Can I come just hang out with you this week? Come hang out. I just need an hour so. I just want to be with you. So he comes over, and we go to the Welcome Center. We're just hanging out and talking about things. And, and I had a brief vision about him. I saw him walking in a hallway, and there was a mirror on the wall. And when he walked by, he looked at the mirror. And for a brief second, he, he thought he was looking at himself, but he saw Jesus. And then he looked back again. It was himself. But actually, it was Jesus. And I thought, you know, that is a great picture for all of us. It's got to be now where we think we're looking at ourselves, but we're actually looking at the one we're being made into the image to. And I believe we're going to run it. We're going to have some of you are going to have some encounters like that. And I'd say, God, bring it on. We want to be more Him. Be conformed that by the testing of your faith, you may discern what is the will of God. Remember the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God. And I believe. That's not three different levels. I believe when you find the perfect will of God for your life, it's that which is good, it's that which is acceptable, it's that which is pleasing. And that's what He wants us to walk in. How many of you made that the goal of your life? You know, on our tombstone, what do you want written? He accomplished all of these great feats. No. He was conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, and he did the will of the Father. All right, the next thing, there's two more things. 1 Peter chapter 3. Look over there, just a few pages back to the left. Chapter 3, verse 13. I can't even believe I'm getting through this. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Verse 15, but sanctify the Lord. God, in your hearts, and always be ready to give an answer. as the hope that's in you. Verse 17. For it is better if it is the will of God. Say the will of God. To suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, this is a short one. What does that mean? If it is the will of God for doing good and not doing evil. In other words, it means this. When you suffer, it doesn't mean that you've messed up doesn't mean that you've actually done it wrong. It could mean that you've actually done it right. You're actually on target. In fact, I think that's really the whole gist of suffering. Look in chapter 4, verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to what? The will of God. Did you see that? Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So when you're suffering, it's not because you messed up. I got all these things this week. People were misunderstanding. Shirley and I were saying, I wonder what they're really saying about us. Some people probably thought. But then it dawned on me, well, who cares what people thought? Who really cares? Who really cares? You're going to stand before him one day and give an account. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, it speaks about the great shepherd of the sheep, who through the blood of the everlasting covenant made you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight. And I just thought, well, that fits for us. Men are going to let you down. But it's, our hope is not in the men and the women shepherds among us. Our hope is in the great shepherd that is ultimately leading us. And he's the one that will lead us into fulfilling his will. And that's where my confidence is. And then the last thing, and there are many more scriptures. My, you know, there's so much we could talk about. But look in Matthew chapter 7. And you know what is being spoken here. It's the words of Jesus. Verse 13 he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many that go in by it. Most of the world is on the broad road, and they're going through the, the broad gate. And there's destruction at the end, because narrow is the gate, and difficult, say difficult. difficult. That word means hard. Sometimes things are hard. They're supposed to be. We've often said, picking up your cross, dying to yourself, will kill you. So be encouraged. If you're dying daily, that means you're picking up your cross and you're following Him. They're difficult is the way which leads to life. And they're few. I wish it said many. But they're few that find it. And then the next Verse, he says, beware of false prophets. It's just kind of hit me that the false prophets come along to get you off of the, the narrow way, and to get you somehow convinced you need to go this way. I'm not going that way. I'm going his way. you got to make that choice. And you just follow the way, the one who is the way. But it's going to be difficult. But it's going to be the one that's most rewarding. Now, here's where it's all defined. Look in verse 21. Not everyone, say not everyone, everyone. who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who, what? Who does the will of my Father. Now, he didn't say everyone who heard about the will of my Father, everyone that wanted to do the will of the Father, or everyone that was convinced that is what they should do, the will of the Father, but everyone who did the will of their Father. And there are going to be many in that day that are going to be shocked. They preach, they prophesied, they saw all these great things, but he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And it really is about yielding to the grand design of our lives. The grand design. Okay, I'm going to close this up, tell you a story. Now this was in that little booklet. This radio message preached in the nineteen sixties that was on my shelf. And I just thought about all the points and looked through the scriptures, but then this little story, and it's the story of the the designer, the architect of the Brooklyn Bridge. And he designed it, laid out all the plans, and then he got bedridden. He was sick, he couldn't get out of bed. For the whole time they were building the Brooklyn Bridge. He was in bed. And then when they completed the project, they picked him up on a stretcher, brought him to view the bridge, the designer, the planner, the architect. They took him from one end of the bridge to the other. And after they completed their inspection or his inspection, he looked at it and he said, It's just like I designed it. It's exactly like I planned it. And I'm telling you, that's what God wants of us. And One day he's going to look at you. And that's what we want to hear. It's just like I planned. Just like I designed it. They didn't venture off. And when they did, my rod and my staff drew them back. So that they would walk in the paths of righteousness for my own namesake. And they did my will. And that's what I believe is the destiny of this church, and it's the destiny of the people that call Jesus their Lord. And they know him, and they're not going to back off that the work that he began, he's going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, guys. And I give him praise and glory. And so I just want to lead us in a, a prayer of Just a fresh commitment to the will of the Father. Does that sound okay? To the will of God. I don't know, maybe you today, you feel like you've, you've ventured off. You know, something's happened. You know, something shook your faith. Well, good. It's okay. You know, let it be shaken. But know that the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. So just get up, brush yourself off, and get going again. But I believe God wants to stir our faith and uh, give us a confidence that he's going to work that which he began, his will in us. So I want you just to stand and I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for this uh, marvelous morning, God. Thank you for letting us be here. Lord, thank you for letting me see that little pamphlet on the mystery of God's will. Lord, we want to be the people that not only heard about the will of God, We not only believe we should do the will of God, but we did the will of God. Because those are the ones that will go into the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, I pray in this group of people, this fellowship, and all of those that are watching, that there'll be a new surrender, a new commitment to yield to the highest and the best, to that which has been Perfectly designed by the Master from even before time began. We thank you, Lord, that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which the Father planned beforehand. And not only that we should walk in them, but we will walk in them. And that's, that's the, the question I want to ask you today. How many of you will say, Lord, it's not that I should walk, But I'm declaring today, I will walk. That's my testimony. Just raise your hands. And Lord, that's my commitment to you. I'm surrendering afresh to the will of the Father. If you're watching online, just right there where you are, raise your hand. I'm surrendering to God's will, God's highest and God's best. Now, Lord, you see the hands. And I pray for the grace that is greater than all of our sin, all of our failures... Lord, our things we don't understand, I ask you, God, for the grace that's to be brought to the church at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I thank you we've been called to live at the greatest season known to mankind. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we yield to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. We're many of us. In fact, if we don't, if it doesn't happen in the natural, it's going to happen. We're going to glance at a mirror. And we're going to look at it. And for that brief moment, we're going to, we're going to wonder who we saw in that mirror. And we're going to know it was him that we're being conformed to. So Lord, I just release that. Lord, all of our friends and family, we have a great family online. And we just bless you. We thank you, God. Lord, just release your peace. Lord, I ask for fresh commission for this congregation. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to guard and keep all that's been deposited and all that we prayed. And you're going to do better because you're the God that saves the best wine for last. And I pray that. And I thank you. And if you're watching right now and you've never met Jesus, we made it a habit to pray this prayer. Just if you're convicted i believe there are people that somehow stumbled across youtube or facebook that's how we got into africa somebody was stumbling across and the holy spirit spoke to annie and said ask that man to preach and i'll you interpret for him and a revival broke out and we're walking in it today but right now if you're watching and you don't know jesus you're not sure and the holy spirit speaking to you and drawing you just say dear god i need a savior If you're here in this room, I need a Savior to say, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Right now, I choose to repent. I choose to turn, to change my mind, to change the direction of my life. And I give my life over to you. And he'll give you the grace and power to do that. And I thank you, Lord, that your blood, the blood of Jesus, is enough to cleanse me from all my sin. And I receive you by faith. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. God has raised his son from the dead. You shall be saved. Well, amen. Praise the Lord.